0: Like it or not, our biological clock is ticking. It's here. And unfortunately for us, we reached that crucial age during a pandemic. And I kind of feel like I've gone from like 30 to 35. That loss is huge. That time has actually impacted a lot of women in my life who were like 30 something going into the pandemic have come out the other end. And now it's stress mode. It's like, shit, I better freeze my eggs. And I'm telling everyone also to go and get their fertility checked because the best thing to do is to have a plan.
1: Welcome to the Unwind podcast, a podcast for you to relax, drift off and allow your mind to wander. I'm your host, Poppy Jamie, a best-selling author, entrepreneur and researcher on a mission to share information that will help you live happier, healthier and with more love, optimism and wisdom. This podcast features interviews with well-known guests and world-leading experts about what it truly means to be human and what we can do to become the very best versions of ourselves. Today, I have one of the leading voices in the fashion industry, Camille Cherrier. is the go-to style influencer for millions around the world, and I'm happy to say a wonderful friend of mine too. She's the epitome of chic, elegance, and effortlessness. Camille has collaborated with some of the biggest brands in the industry. She's defined a new aesthetic in many ways and consistently moves this exploration with fashion, identity, and being a woman in today's world forward with subtlety and art. She recently launched her own line with Mango that was an instant viral success. And Camille's career started quite differently to where she is now, in law and finance, but sidestepped into the world of fashion with groundbreaking success. She's a contributing editor to Elle magazine and writes for other leading publications globally. It is a true delight to have her on the show today. I would love for you to read out a piece of writing that resonates with you.
0: So I have a disclaimer here, which is that I really wanted to read out a passage from my favourite novel, which is sorrow and bliss. But unfortunately, because it's so good, I've lent it to someone. But instead, I found something that I'd saved on my phone a few months ago and that I kind of regularly go back to, especially like at times like this, in January when things are feeling a bit bleak. So I'm just gonna read it to you. It occurred to me that life was like this. Waves, peaks and troughs, highs and lows. The rhythm of life wasn't a steady bolt of upward momentum we'd blaze out of it if it were. Instead, we get moments, bursts of magic, bolts of luck and change and opportunity. And then we tread again. We go back to working and striving and dreaming. And just when everything seems like it won't change, then the new dream or the new goal won't happen or that the magic that happened two years ago had faded and left for someone else. It comes back. I love that. And it's one of those things that I kind of stumbled across on on Instagram. So I wouldn't even be able to tell you where it's from. But I really, I think that's really helpful because I do think that us as a society are a little bit obsessed with like growth and optimization and you know always the next thing. And and we don't let ourselves settle into something. And when we do, we start feeling like that's the end. And actually like if you kind of see the world as more of a cyclic thing, I think it's just a lot healthier. And it's a difficult place to get to but if you can I think that's where happiness is unlocked.
1: I loved the bit where it refers to those peaks and troughs and captures that up and down nature of life how do you process those in your own life?
0: I mean maybe that's why this passage spoke to me so much because I've gone through very big highs and very big lows since I've been very young because I have suffered from anxiety and depression from the age of like 16 onwards. I was taken out of school when I was 16 because I was just so depressed. And ironically, last year, so quite recently, I finally got the diagnosis that I was waiting all my life, which is that I have ADHD. So whereas I used to think that I was just a person that got very sad for no reason, and that it was just something that maybe if I worked on myself enough, you know, and maybe if I did enough therapy and enough like growth and exercise and breathing, I'd I'd be okay. And I would turn into a normal person. And then I've just realized that actually, no, there's a reason I'm what is called a neurodivergent brain. And that means that I don't process life in the same ways as other people and unfortunately when you don't know that or less aware of that your brain has a tendency to turn on itself and actually like that's where that those waves of real sadness um, and even sometimes despair can kind of hit you hard but the upside of that is that you also get these huge highs and I think that's why that passage is so meaningful and I like how hopeful it is saying that like you think that like suddenly you've hit a wall and that like routine has settled in and like, or you've reached your goal and you can't possibly imagine how you could get better than this or whatever. And then suddenly something new comes along and all these opportunities can manifest in different ways. I don't know. You could get pregnant or you can meet a a, a new boyfriend or a new friend, or you could get business opportunity. You could decide to move cities, like all these things that kind of change the makeup of your life. And then suddenly you're turning into a new version of yourself, which also comes with, its own sets of like, joys and
1: setbacks. And I think, as I said, like, the tide does turn always. That's so reassuring to hear, especially as you have really gone through a long journey with looking after your mind. Well, still do. <laughs> um, but yeah,
0: I think it's, it's an ongoing struggle. But I use the word struggle, I think sometimes I, it doesn't feel like a struggle at all. So I don't want to make my life sound really like dark and depressing. It's just something that I live with, you know.
1: What healthy habits have you cultivated in the last 10 years that have become your non-negotiables to managing your mind?
0: It's difficult because the problem with ADHD is that the thing I struggle the most with, and it's the thing I also need the most, is routine. I really find it extremely hard to build a real routine that I can like follow because i just one thing happens to get me off track and i just lose all sense of the order that i'm supposed to do things in and like i have really bad notion of time so like i always think things are going to take less long than they do and i'm always kind of late and running to the next appointment etc but the things that when i'm in a good place and i know really definitely work for me and i've really carved out time in my schedule no matter how busy i am to kind of make sure that I'm doing number one obviously is exercising I think really it's the number one thing when I do it I feel completely different and it's just moving your body to help your brain and I also I'm really like I'm not very good at it I never have been (laughs) but I don't touch my phone I really enjoy like getting in the zone even though like I know it's not something that I'm good at and I always feel so grateful afterwards and I was really injured for a while. I had a really bad foot accident a few years ago and I couldn't walk for about four months. That taught me to respect my body and appreciate my body so much and I think that's like my number one hack. That and switching my phone off which again it's depending on whether I'm going through like I always can feel where I'm like slipping when it comes to my mental health because I suddenly go into this like mental health craze and I'm like in the vortex for hours and I can't get out. And I know that that's because I'm not feeling great. So I'm desperately looking for a distraction, something to get me out of my own thoughts. But the problem is like, as we all know, there is nothing worse for your mental health than going going online and scrolling, like doom scrolling for hours. So I'm kind of now very aware that when I'm in that place, turn your phone off. I've actually bought one of those boxes that you lock your phone in. And set a timer but those are for me the two things that like will always make a difference and then like what we said at the beginning like walks you know getting outside Mm. going for a long walk but I think when we went on our last walk I said to you gosh this is a really long walk and you're like no no this is a normal (laughs) length walk and again like with most things I get bored really easily and I'm like after like 15 minutes I'm like right that's me done I've done my walk (laughs) but yeah (laughs)
1: I have to say, I've never, ever been on a walk with someone more stylish than Camille. I was there in my kind of leggings trainers and Camille was in Chanel pumps, just super chic, slightly oversized trousers and a blazer. In my defense, in my
0: defense, I was wearing ballet ballet shoes, which is probably the worst shoe in the world to go on a walk with, especially when you've had a really bad foot injury. As I said before, it's because I'd underestimated when she said walk. I thought she meant, you know, just a little Little waddle around the park, like a bit of gossip, a bit of like deep and meaningful like chat, and then like we're home, you know. No, no, no. Probably went. She was. She meant it. Like she meant business. She like took me all around Hyde Park, then all the way around like back of South Ken. It was like well, I think if I look back on my phone, that's probably the day I did the most steps last year. I'm not lying. But yes, it, you did. It did teach me a valuable lesson because I did feel great afterwards.
1: So. That is really, really funny. To go back to the beginning of your career, I mean, you have had enormous success. You really have. You are one of the leading voices at such young age you disrupted what I think we even thought of as in terms of fashion influencer and have migrated to so many different things. Was there a moment when you suddenly were able to acknowledge and recognise your success and think, oh, well, I've actually done this?
0: I still struggle to see myself as a successful, very successful person, as you're describing. Um, I know that I've had success and I know that I've done really well for myself. And I do Think that the moment when I had that aha moment is what that you're describing is when I realised that I could kind of because like my first maybe nine or ten places that I lived in London were like very horrible flat shares. So once I'd like made it so that I was financially secure enough to get my own place where I was renting by myself as opposed to like with a big amount of people, that felt like a really big milestone. And that like, suddenly like, I'd reached something that I never really thought I was going to achieve. But um, in my case, things did start in a completely different sphere. And I don't come from a family where, I mean, my mom is a teacher. My dad is an engineer. And neither of them know anyone in the creative industry. They were very upset with me, actually, when I quit my law training contract to come to London and move into fashion. And it was something that I did completely on my own. So it's something that I really do value in terms of my own success, I guess. It, it's, it's difficult because I, there are so many things that I want to be able to do. And I've told, I've spoken to you about this at the moment, I'm trying to write a book. And because of my ADHD and, and the fact that my focus is something that I struggle with, that feels like the big goal that I haven't achieved. And it's that for me would be mm. a really strong measure of success. I do think that we all measure success differently. Mm. And I think I come from a family of academics, meaning that, like, for some reason, I don't seem to understand that, like, financial success and success in, like, you know, like creating a a business somehow my brain just doesn't register that as Mm. success. It's for me, it's a lot more about legacy and Mm. things that you've contributed to the world that are actually going to have a positive impact. Mm. And I think I haven't quite got there yet, even though, like, I do feel like in a way, like, I am, as you said, like a voice. And I really value my platform for that reason. I'm so mm. proud of having like this space where I can talk to my followers online about things that matter to me, and I do use it on a regular basis to to do that and and also it's fun but but I do think that that's one of the real privileges of being an influencer It's having that voice because if I say something, people listen, people see it, you know like it gets picked up, so I'm not leading activist or journalist so it's a little bit different but still like things do carry with social media you to be honest like I think on a a granular level each and every one of us like now can you know voice their opinions on social media and, and be heard but in my case I already have that audience that's there waiting for me to like you know share things with them and that truly is one of the real markers of like how I think I can appreciate where I've got to today that's probably the thing I'm the most grateful for and the most proud of
1: I think it's a really interesting point that you've just referred to in the definition of success completely changes how we relate to our own life. Yep. And actually having the understanding of what you define as success is a really useful tool and self-awareness to have because it sounds like this book, and once you've completed it, and I know the human condition is that, you know, we always kind of want more or think we could do better. But that's a really lovely goal to have that feels incredibly Nourishing for you, but it's interesting because I'm sure lots of women will look at you right now and think, Oh my god, you have the complete dream!
0: I know, I know, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because I do think, I mean, they say comparison is the theft of joy, and I do really think Mm. that that is completely accurate. And I'm trying not to look at what other people have and like, you know, think I want to get there. And I, I, when I say that the success thing I really mean like this really is because of like who I am deep down it's Mm. not because I'm looking at other people and I'm thinking like wow I want to have the tick box of like having done this this and this it's I've always wanted to write I've always wanted to share and the thing is because it's something that doesn't pay the bills in the same way as this Mm. side of my job the influencer side I'm not going to say that I fell into influencing by mistake I think it was a very like genuine and something I was very mindful about wanting to do because I I knew I could feel back in the day that it was something that had real power and would allow me to get into fashion through the back door. And, and I was right. So it's not something that I want to criticize in any way. Mm. I am actually incredibly proud of my journey. I sometimes think about like where it all started. And it's true that it's been a really incredible journey to get here. But ultimately, like, I don't think, you know, making money or accumulating more followers or figuring out how to cheat the algorithm. So you get as many eyeballs on your content, Mm. which is what the nature of influencing is, because that's what the goal is. I don't think that's what I aspire to in the long run. I think this was always a means to an end. Like it was always like a stepping stone springboard to something else. Mm. And it's not that I don't feel successful. It's that like I'm still and I think that's exciting. It, it would be mm. awful if I like reached the age of 35 mm. and I was like, right, that's me done. Like I've reached like everything <laughs> that I wanted to, that I wanted to do. And I think that's something that I, I actually am I'm grateful that I've managed to carve a space somewhere that I still feel very passionate about. I love the fashion industry. And so, yeah, it definitely feel like I'm getting there. And to anyone that would feel insecure by what I have to say, I do think like going back to what we started with, which is that like, we all spent so much time now looking at each other and Mm -hmm. looking like, you know, what trip did she go on and what new job does she have and what Mm -hmm. new car did he buy, whatever. And like, instead of like looking deep within ourselves, which are the things that would really matter to us, Mm -hmm. I think like setting goals for yourself that really are completely separate from what the kind of mainstream, is wanting you to desire like you know sometimes for some people like a big goal would be to like get married and have kids and for someone else it would be i don't know like to run a marathon i think like everybody is so different with these things it's really important to remember that and i have to remind myself of that as well
1: so to talk about your writing i have read everything you have written because i find it so funny you have such a amusing way of writing and I find it so Thanks. deeply reassuring because you sum up the trials and tribulations especially of this particular age as well, that whenever I read any of your writing, I so deeply (laughs) relate to all these experiences. (laughs) And so I thought we could go through some of them because they're just excellent. So there was an article you wrote about the time you were single and believed you'd met your soulmate, but he just didn't know it yet. (laughs) And so you wrote this, You get told this a lot when you're single. Pretend you don't care for long enough and they will fall into your arms. When are we going to stop pretending that this is how relationships work? Yep. I would love to discuss this as a topic. Yeah, it's so difficult because like everything
0: leading up to like, you know, meeting a partner, every conversation that you have with friends or things that you read online, it's always about like, you know, like, playing the game or like, you know, not showing too much how much you care, not sleeping with him because he certainly mustn't. Although I think it's important to have boundaries and to like save some of yourself so that you're not oversharing everything about yourself on the first day. You know, I think there's also a time and a place for certain conversations and topics. I still think that the only people with who you're going to have a true connection are the people around whom you feel like you can be yourself. All this stuff about game playing and I think it's worse when you reach our sort of age because like it or not our biological clock is ticking it's here Mm. and I think society wants us to feel like we our job is to make men feel reassured at all times when actually we're just taking away responsibility from them and carrying on our shoulders all this weight which is the weight of our future which is that if we want kids we probably need to be thinking about that before a certain age that age being like approximately 35, so like by mid-30s, you you're kind of already reaching the tail end of like when it's gonna be easy. That doesn't mean it's not gonna be possible afterwards, but it's not gonna be as easy as when you were younger. And the weird thing is, all of the like kind of advice when it comes to dating is like, don't put any pressure on men, don't let them know that you want children, Don't like make them feel like they have to commit to you. They have to come to you. It has to come from them, which I kind of have to agree with because if it doesn't come from them, they're gonna run a mile. (laughs) But like fuck that. (laughs) Sorry, but a lot of this like nonsense is because we live in a patriarchal society where men have been allowed to feel cushy and Mm -hmm. unstressed, and you're like, they have all the time in the world and God forbid any woman would stress them out and like, you know, put any pressure on them because like, how awful would that be if a man felt like pressure? And it's like, do you realize what we're going through every day? And I think the only times that I've had extremely, extremely core shaking relationship shaking arguments with my husband have been to do with this, have been to do with the biological law. And this is someone who I like really value. He's a great, great man he's he's a feminist I do really think that I'm really lucky in the sense that he allows me to have this very like time-consuming career and is so supportive and I do think that when you're a woman in a career that's very like in your face it's hard to find men that like are not intimidated by that so I and I'm not trying to like give him a medal for that, I am if I wouldn't be with him if he wasn't like that. Mm. So it's not for me, that was a non-negotiable. But mm. I do think still that it, they're not that easy to find those men, which again, seems absurd in my opinion, but it's, it's the truth. So there's no point pretending otherwise. I have these conversations on a weekly basis with my girlfriends. We talk about these mm. things all the time. I've had friends that have gone to have abortions. I've, I've had to go with them. I've mm. had friends that have had miscarriages who've gone through that and like, it's been hard. Or I've had friends that also have like not been able to have children because like they've tried and it hasn't happened for them. So I understand like all those things. I don't think men have these conversations between themselves. I just don't think they do. And I think like that first thing of like, you know, they say don't play the game. They say don't be yourself. Well, I'm sorry, but if you don't get your facts straight, you're wasting your time. Because Mm. someone that's going to agree to be with you for like two years just for fun, but that ultimately is not going to be like the right person for Mm. you. Well, those are years that you might not want to waste. Because ultimately, if what you are after is a fam- is like, you know, having a family and all these things, you'd be surprised how quickly time flies, especially when you've got a career and you're trying to do that at the same time. It's it's a lot. And for those who've said that women can have it all, I'm not sure that's true. I think that like there are times for everything where you ha- you get like to prioritize your family or you get to prioritize your work or maybe it's a relationship. But everything that is flawless all at once, I don't know if that's possible. I don't think so.
1: I feel really strongly about everything you've just shared about the biological clock and something that I spend night and day thinking about at the moment quite intensely because I'm in the middle of egg freezing so I'm I'm in the the, the pre bit of IVF what do you think is the solution like how do we change things from here because it does seem crazy that just as many men want families as women And so I'm I'm start to think, like, where is the problem if there are the same amounts of men and women that want to have families?
0: It's all about how we talk to men. Mm. We saw that, like, last year with all the, you know, after Sarah Everard, who, like, died and and, and women started talking about how scared we are when we're walking alone at night or even sometimes during the day. And men around us were like, what do you mean? And we're like... Yes, this is something we all know about. We all have gone through scary times. And I think where that was really interesting was seeing that, like, you know, it's suddenly people start screaming, not all men, you know, not all men. No, it's not all, Not we're not saying that all <laughs> men are jerks. But if you don't allow us to tell you these things, mm. if you don't allow us to explain to you that some men scare us and that some men abuse the fact that they're stronger than us, Or like have weird fucking perversions. (laughs) How on earth are we? We need you. We Mm, need men. Feminism is about equality between men and women. It's not Mm. women against men. I mean, I get a bit worried when I read online that like men are now like feeling worried about, you know, like consent. And like, you know, I don't dare flirt with a girl because like, I don't know. That's bullshit. You know when someone is consensual or not. You absolutely know. And anybody that's pretending that they don't know, that's because they know that they're not acting mm. in a way that that is acceptable. And I think all this fear-mongering that, like, we're saying that, like, men are, like, not treated fairly, I don't think it's true. I think as long as you're honest about the fact that we need to have these conversations, not because we think you're dickheads, but because actually, like, these are things we want to improve. And the only way to improve something, as we all know, is to talk about it, mm. to understand what's going wrong, and to, like, make sure that it's not going to, continue to happen in that way and it's sometimes difficult to have these conversations without like it feeling like it's not aggressive but you know like mm. finger pointing yeah but i don't think it is i think when you're saying to for example your partner like yes i actually do think that you should be more mindful of the fact that like i feel like i my time to have a baby is running out or mm. like i feel scared at night, make sure that when you're walking in the street, you don't get too close to someone else or whatever these things, because this is how women feel. And then you teach that to your children when you're bringing children up. Like, I just think that that's how you start to have everybody in an equal place, you know?
1: I couldn't agree more. I think there is such a responsibility on all of us to educate our male friends. And so it means that their romantic partners can do less of the education, because I think when it's, I take a long time educating my brothers for example on egg freezing because I now know that they are going to be deeply sensitive to their their wives and girlfriends if that should ever arise because I've drummed it home to them how important egg freezing is and and the science and why I'm doing it.
0: Yeah and also it's that thing of also like when men are between themselves if you hear your mates like having a discussion in which they're like speaking about women in a really degrading world call them out Mm. don't let them do it like even if it's just amongst yourselves as a joke like come on it's not funny like look where andrew tate is like he's now like one of the most google people in the world like he's like being accused of like grooming raping like Mm. texting a a woman saying like i enjoyed raping you the authorities didn't arrest him even though she showed the messages like what the fuck is going on you know like it's And I just think this culture where we think the misogyny is funny is just not acceptable anymore. And Mm. the only problem is often it's not happening in front of the women. It's happening between the men. Mm. So if you don't like get your husband to tell his mates or your brothers to tell their mates or your child to like, you know, like not be like that when he's how on earth are we meant to like Mm. fight this? Because ultimately it can't be women like kind of wagging their finger at men because then what happens? We get called like nagging. Yeah. or We get naggy or, yeah. you know, like annoying or yeah. like, you know, like a or whatever it is, <laughs> like ball <Yeah>. breaker. <laughs> and ultimately, I agree. Like, it shouldn't be us having to call you out. We're not your mums. We're yeah. not like, you know, like we're not like this is for you to be talking about this stuff amongst yourselves the same way that we talk about this stuff amongst ourselves. Mm. And I do think that things are improving, even though like it doesn't seem that it's the case. I do think that they are. I do think that we're having these conversations a lot more in the open. I think mental health for men is something that's a lot more discussed, which I think is so important, because if at least men get to share their emotions, I think they get a lot more comfortable with having these conversations amongst themselves. And maybe like you kind of realize that if men are speaking like this about women is because ultimately like they feel deeply insecure and Ultimately, they just want to be seen and loved, Mm -hmm. and like that's what we all want. I don't believe that people are bad. I think it comes from a place of deep, deep hurt, and that's something that we we need to find a way out of. Because, like honestly, the worrying thing is that mental health is taking a real nosedive, and we know that the pandemic has really affected. Young people all around the world and older people and that it's it's quite worrying you know like we spend more and more time online we're not talking to each other properly
1: yeah.
0: it's not helpful and it's not true communication it's not getting to understand people it's very one-sided and it goes back to what I was describing at the very beginning of having done therapy at a young age I think talking communicating is the secret to everything really I think it really solves a lot of problems, understanding people that you don't know, understanding someone's side of the story, understanding like we talk a lot about privilege in our society, like understanding the point of view of the people that are not as lucky as you are so that you're not only centering yourself in a narrative. I think all these things actually help to be a lot more compassionate and solve a lot of things.
1: Dropping in to tell you about a company who is improving the way we walk, Vivo Barefoot. Vivo Barefoot are on a mission to create regenerative footwear that brings you closer to nature and your natural potential. Humans have evolved for over millions of years to essentially walk, move, and run barefoot, but modern cushioned shoes have impacted foot function and are now contributing to a movement focused health crisis in the process. That's why Vivo Barefoot's footwear is designed to be wide, thin, flexible, and as close to barefoot as possible. They promote your foot's natural strength and movement, and I can definitely say from my own experience that feeling the ground beneath your feet really connects you to the world around you. I find it grounding, relaxing, especially after a day chained to emails at my desk. They are almost like therapeutic shoes. Vivo Barefoot has a great range of shoes for every activity so whether you're hiking, dancing or just want a comfortable pair for every day they won't disappoint. They're also sustainable and made of recycled materials so you're protecting the planet one step at a time. Vivo Barefoot are offering a 100-day free trial on their footwear and you can purchase yours today with an exclusive 15% off for our listeners when you visit www.vivobarefoot.com slash unwind. The link will be in the show notes. If you're struggling to sleep and in need of something to help your restless nights, I have just the podcast for you. Sleepwave is a podcast from the creators of Sleepiest, a leading sleep and meditation app that has helped over 4 million people fall asleep. Every Monday, you can listen to a brand new transportive meditation, including reassuring sessions such as finding protection from anxiety, which might be just what you need to help you drift off. Listeners have reported unbelievable results from the very first night, and from personal experience, I can tell you I've never made it to the end of an episode. So, if you want to wake up feeling rested, rejuvenated, and full of energy, Sleep Wave is the best place to start. Available wherever you get your podcasts, and you can also listen free on the Sleepiest app. I want to go back to something else you said, which. I think is one of the most important messages, something that I'm really trying to remind myself of this year, which is this idea of having it all is a myth and an illusion and a standard that none of us are meeting and as a consequence can then feel disappointed about ourselves within ourselves because there is this crazy illusion that having it all exists. What's been your relationship and what have you maybe loosened your expectations around yourself on to kind of allow yourself to say okay I can't do it all and this part of my life I'm gonna let slide. I mean I think
0: ultimately it all comes down to your body and how it talks to you Mm. because you kind of know when you're feeling completely burnt out and it's happened to me twice in my life where I've really hit a wall and the problem is when you get there to get back up it's very 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 difficult And it's best not to get there. It's best to actually listen to the signs before you end up at rock bottom, where everything is overwhelming. I think that we've been kind of sold this lie. And in a way, it was like, it was one of the first waves of feminism, Mm. which was, it was all for the right reasons, you know, it was to try and like, allow women to enter the workforce. And like, it was important that we did, you know. But again, like, it's not possible to have it all because we are women. We have a biological clock. Like Mm. if you don't take time out to have a kid, you won't be able to have a kid. Mm. You don't get to like not make that decision. Whether Mm. I think it's a mind fuck for so many women, because ultimately when you're a bit younger, like men, we don't feel quite ready. You're like, well, I don't feel financially independent. I'm not ready to give up all my life to like have to look after someone else, you know, be responsible for another human being who, as we all know, is going to have the same kind of like ups and downs that we do. So that's a lot of work, you know. So why would we have to think about that when we're not ready when we do? Well, we just have to. Mm. That's the thing. There's no point like beating around the bush and pretending that we can, you know, have a career that demands that we're working at all hours available, all hours there for our friends, finding the right partner, which also it takes a long time. You know, you don't just walk into a bar and meet someone. It's something that you have to really work towards like you have to be it's like everything you meet someone when you also like decide that you're going to rid your life with the toxic people and like start looking at the good people because we all have good people in our lives it's just that when things are not great you tend to not see them and that's where the work starts Mm. I think I've had that realization this year that we had to go through IVF in order to have children it made me really understand that the stress that I've been putting my body through to get to where I am now in my career has been like a Mm. heavy cross to bear. And if I am serious about wanting a family, which I really am, I've always wanted it more than anything else, I am going to have to slow down. And accepting that, for example, this season, I can't go to Fashion Week. Mm. But it's not that I can't go to Fashion Week because I'm pregnant, Mm. because I'm not pregnant. I have to go to Fashion Week and accept that Even though I'm technically only trying to like do this process of injections and like freezing embryos and all the stuff that you have to go through to get pregnant via this medical route means that I'm having to turn down an enormous amount of work opportunities that I found really exciting and that I've worked my way towards arriving in this place in my life. And it feels like right now, as you described before, like I'm in a good place where I have momentum, where things are going really well. It's suddenly like, well, actually, the doctor said the only thing that will help you through this process is that you, you must not be stressed. Like no point throughout this process. And I'm like, well, how is that going to work? Because I'm stressed on a daily basis about like the most random things. And he's like, well, that's what we're going to have to walk towards. You have to cut out everything that's stressful. And it's just made me understand that perhaps like my kind of lifestyle, which has worked for me up until now, and the adrenaline that keeps me going, Mm. you know, when it's fashion week and it's fun and it's exciting, but it's also stressful and it's not on stop. And you're like this plane and this job and that job and like this opportunity. And it's really exciting, but it also has put a big strain on my body. Mm. It's understanding that these decisions have an impact Mm. on the rest. I mean, ultimately this conversation and I'm having it with all my girlfriends right now because I'm at that crucial age where one year, two years, three years makes all the difference. And those we all know that a year goes by in a flash, you know, and unfortunately for us, we reached that crucial age during a pandemic, meaning that we have this weird illusion that we because those three years don't feel like they actually existed because there were no markers. That's kind of a blur. And I kind of feel like I've gone from like 30 to 35, even though like it's not really how it feels in my head. And I think unfortunately for us, that loss is huge. That time has actually impacted a lot of women in my life who were like 30 something going into the pandemic have come out the other end. And now it's stress mode. It's like, shit, I better freeze my eggs. And I'm telling everyone also to go and get their fertility
1: checked because The best thing to do is to have a plan. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate what you've just shared. And to be honest, it was after our walk that we had a similar conversation and I went to go get my fertility checked and hence why I'm freezing my eggs now. So I am a testament to, and as a consequence, you know, I found out that I needed to freeze my eggs immediately because the doctors were surprised, I guess, about my hormone levels for my current age. And it was a really shocking revelation. And it was all thanks to the conversations that we've had. And it reminded me just how important women friendships are and being honest with each other.
0: Totally. Female friendship is like the cornerstone of, of adulthood. Without them, I don't know where we would be. It's, it They mean so much to me. And like, I really rely on my female friendships so much, especially at times like this. We have this capacity to have these really like, deep conversations about things that matter mm. and then I like switch and like we're back on like what nail polish color do you love and yeah. it's just so amazing because both matter mm. if I don't like my nail polish I'm having a really bad week you know like it's you see your fingers all day long and, like when I'm treating myself to a manicure I want to make sure that it's the right color <laughs> That's so
1: funny. Do you have a spiritual practice or how do you evolve or nourish that side of your life?
0: No, the only thing I can say is that I do read a lot and I do think that reading is the most meditative, it's the most enjoyable form of meditation that I've found. I think it's the most interesting as well. I don't think people consider reading as meditative, but I do think it is, especially novels, because they really take you into another world and, and for that time you completely forget about where you are. I love reading. I think it's really helped me massively throughout the years. I, on the other hand, am very bad at doing anything like breathing work or meditation. I do do yoga, and I love it when I do it, but I struggle to stand still. I'm a fidgeter. Like my ADHD gets out of control when someone asks me to not move, and I I just get very like stressed, which means that I probably need it more than anybody else. So I should be trying. But I also believe in being kind to Mm. yourself and having these huge list of goals that you should do. Like, you know what? Like, yes, it would be better if I meditated. But right now I haven't Mm. found a way. So my ways are switching off my phone for periods so I allow myself to think. And reading, because I know that that is something that really takes me into someone else's world. And also reading teaches you so much. We forget how biased our media Mm. is. Like the things that we read online are all there for clickbait so that they can earn money everything is just written in a way to like attract you or scare you and make sure that you stay longer on the page. Whereas a book doesn't do that. A book allows you to come and go like when you need it. You can read it your rhythm. You can come back to it. You can put it down. You can stay reading it all day. It's there's something really amazing about the physical act of reading a book, which I think is a really important act of
1: self-care. How do you wind down? What's your bedtime routine? I love a bath. I got into that habit during COVID
0: because I never used to have baths. And now I really do love having a a long, warm bath where I like sit and either listen to a podcast or read a book. And then I'll like go through my makeup routine, maybe have a tea or something like that. Turn my phone off or this is more often than not, like switch a podcast on, Mm. but don't look at your phone. Like my big thing is that I put it on airplane mode so that I'm not like, going on social media at night it's difficult I still tend to like depending on like my mood sometimes it doesn't work I make sure that I'm in bed every night before like 10 30 11 but then I often struggle to get to sleep so that's why I listen to podcasts but I just like being in bed I just think it's an important wind down to have to just even if you don't feel tired to get into bed snuggle up Mm -hmm. you know like allow your brain to rest and try get to sleep
1: which podcasts will be your sleepcasts?
0: So it depends because to fall asleep, I'm better when I'm listening to an English voice. I don't know about you, but I struggle to fall asleep to an American twang. I find them less comforting. <laughs> I don't know. It kind of depends where I'm, in, whether I'm in the mood for something that's informative or whether it's more something that's almost sugary. So the podcast that I'm really into at the moment, there's one called Every Outfit, which is these two women in LA that... pop culture really it's all they look at episodes of Sex and the City and like describe like what's been going on like (laughs) even though we've watched it all a million times I just love it it's such a good it's such a good podcast I also listen to The Daily I listen to How to Fail I listen to a podcast called Sentimental Garbage which I love and I'm a big fan of Adam Buxton, who I find is hilarious. So, But it kind of rotates because I get through things quite quickly because I listen to a lot of podcasts.
1: How do you protect your mental health when you are online? And do you still get triggered in the way that social media can trigger? Or do you feel that because it's so part of your job, you've been able to create a separation?
0: There's no separation. It's very difficult. It's really dangerous. Social media is like the slot machines, It's that addiction. Mm. And the thing is, because it's a job and it's something that I kind of, or maybe this is what I tell myself, but I have to do it because that's how I earn my money. It's incredible when you start noticing what happens when you haven't been offline for a bit and suddenly you post a picture. Mm. I went offline for a few weeks last year and then posted a picture and got that kind of, that adrenaline rush that, well, it's what they say is gambling. It's like that rush that you get that keeps you awake, you know, your heart is beating. And it's quite scary. I remember that night I couldn't get to sleep and I was like, I know why I can't sleep. I'm like completely like awake because I'm like, I've got this like weird, like adrenaline pumping through me all because I've posted a picture of Instagram. And, and then you forget because then you're doing it on a daily basis and you don't really noticing it. But mm. I always, joke with my team but it's not a joke because it's not actually funny that around six o'clock every evening I get a bit fidgety like I get quite stressed because that's the best time of the day to post on Instagram and because I'm not like the kind of person that plans her content I will never know what I'm going to be posting but every day at that time it's like I'm not a smoker I've never smoked but I'm guessing it's the same kind of urge that you get when suddenly you really need your cigarette and you're like, mm. you feel like almost like something is pressing against you unless you have it. And it's very, very stressful. And it's not good for the body. That's 100% for sure. It's something that I wish I could say that I'm detached from, but I'm not. And everyone around me notice it. And they're like, why do you get like this? Like, who cares, you know, if you post a picture? on I'm like, unfortunately, like, because it's my job, I've now like trained myself to like, mm. it also feels like work. If I don't do it, I feel like I haven't done my job. So it's complicated to just not do it because then I feel like, well, shit, I might, does this mean I'm being lazy and I'm not working? So it's a really Mm. complicated thing for me. What I do do when I'm feeling really anxious about this kind of stuff is I don't look what other people are doing. So if Mm. I really do feel that I'm in a fragile mental health place, even if I do have to put something up for a job, whatever, I'm not going to look at what everybody else is posting. And I do think that that boundary is sometimes really helpful. I also think mute, mute people that make you feel like shit, you know, when you see someone and, and often it's not their fault. It's nothing that they've done. Sometimes, sometimes it can be. But like, for example, this hasn't happened to me yet, fortunately, but I've heard that when you're trying to get pregnant, seeing other women say Mm. that they're pregnant or post about their children can be triggering. That hasn't happened for me yet, mm. but I'm very clear with myself that if that does start to happen to me and that people that I love and follow like are making me feel shit, I will mute those people for the time that it's. And I think that's OK. It's OK to protect your mental health. It's OK to protect those feelings of yours. You know, mm. it doesn't make you a bad person if you can't like handle tuning into someone's life for a few months, you can always come back to it like social media isn't going anywhere. Perhaps what we need is to also be mindful of those days when we are not feeling quite right. And that's the time to get offline and, you know, read a book, Mm. go and see a friend, go for a dance class, take up pottery. I don't know what it is, but get (laughs) out of the online world and get into the real world. And I promise you, you'll feel better. It's so weird. Like what happens when you like come out of social media and then you don't, you're not on there for a week and you come back on and nothing has changed. And you're like, I Mm. haven't missed anything. But when you're on it, you're
1: feeling like, whoa, like I mustn't stop for an hour. I must be checking all the time. Such an important reminder. And also, I guess, really reassuring that even someone like yourself, I'm sure a lot of people look up to, also experiences the same things. Like we, no matter who you are, it, this is a human issue with social media. Exactly. Not an individual one. My last question on this just such a beautiful chat that I've enjoyed so much is what decision has been. Possibly the one that you didn't realise was going to have the impact it did at the time, but you look back and think that was one of the best decisions I ever made.
0: Moving to London. No one wanted me to do it. My parents were furious because I had to turn down, I actually postponed a training contract in a law firm in Paris. And moving to London meant that even though I'd landed this training contract I wouldn't be able to do it, but because I also couldn't afford to continue my studies, which I could have done at that point, because I would have had to do a conversion course. I went into finance and no one could understand why I was going into finance because I'd never done it before. And I was not very good at anything to do with economics. And it was a total fiasco. Like, let me tell you, it was a disaster. But at the time I was coming to London because I was going out with an English boy. And I came here and I fell in love with the city. I fell in love with the people. I loved how it made me feel. And the city gave me wings. It was that first job that I hated that also taught me that you have to love your work because you're going to be doing it every day. Now, I know that's not possible for everyone. I know that like I was in a position where I was lucky to be able to like choose what I did for a living. But because I did have that privilege, I was going to use it. So I realized that I needed to go and find something that I was going to be really passionate about. And I thought that that might be fashion. And everyone was furious with me for like abandoning all these big, big opportunities that had been given to me. And I just had this gut feeling and my advice to anybody listening, who's a bit younger and who feels that like no one is listening to them when they're saying, this is what I want to do is trust your gut and work Mm. hard because things won't be easy. It was very hard for a couple of years because, going from finance to fashion, I had to take a huge pay cut. And obviously, I was Mm. supporting myself financially. So that was really difficult, but it was worth Mm. it in the long run. And I can't remember the days where I couldn't afford the bus. They did exist. They did (laughs) happen those days. For the life of me, I can't remember how I felt when I had to walk around London, because I couldn't afford to get my Oyster card topped up. So, you know, things pass. And like, when times are tough, you just, you know, you're younger, like you you can get through it. I think you're working towards like, figuring out what's going to make you happier in the long run. And I think that's a great goal to
1: have. Cami, you are so brilliant. I feel so honoured to have had this nourishing conversation of honesty and I think that is what is missing in our world is is not enough honest conversations when we realize how similar we all are and we don't feel alone and thank you so much for making me not feel alone um with what you've shared today and I really appreciate everything you've given to us where is the best place I mean obviously your your socials is number one and your articles but is there anything else that we can share with people Right
0: now I'm in my Twitter era. Ooh. I realize how ironic this is because of, of <laughs> course everybody else is like leaving Twitter and despairing. <laughs> and I, I also am very aware that I'm lucky because I haven't been on the receiving end yet of some awful trolling moment, which I've heard Twitter is the darkest place of <laughs> the web. But for the time being, I'm fucking loving it. And I'm really enjoying having like more meaningful conversations and, you know, connecting with people on a level that isn't visual and like sharing ideas. And I used to use it all the time back in my blogging days, and then I kind of lost the habit. And yeah, so that's where that's where I'm right now. And yeah, TikTok, I guess. She's a woman of many of many um, addictions and obsessions. So
1: unfortunately, I'm, I'm everywhere. <laughs> okay, we'll well, all of those the show notes. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to our next walk thank you so much for listening and if you enjoyed today please hit subscribe and leave a comment because this helps the podcast so much i'd be endlessly grateful if you wouldn't mind doing so my mental health book happy not perfect is available to order now the book teaches you how to be a flexible thinker A skill that helps you navigate any challenge that might come your way, helps you manage emotions and helps you thrive to be the bendiest version of yourself. Until next time, I love hearing from you. So do shoot me a message on Instagram. Send me a DM with any of your thoughts. Stay safe and well.